When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are qualified London Blue Badge tourist guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacy.com for information about our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours as well as what the blue blue oh so oh, close blue the blue always gets you the boo blue blue boo blad the boo blad the Michael blue blad <laughs> oh yeah you know what it is oh, by now it's been quite a while since we've managed to get through this completely. <laughs> no. It's so useless. <laughs> so useless. It's for Dick. Worst podcasters ever. Anyway, hi, um. Hiya. How are you, Alex Lacey? I'm very, very well, thank you. I've just come back from Greenwich uh, for a little live virtual tour. Um, lovely. Oh, it was lovely today, wasn't it? Really beautiful weather. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, although we did get a little bit of snow. Yes, we're recording this on Monday evening and um, yeah, we had snow in the morning and then beautiful sunshine in the afternoon. It was so wow. bizarre. I was standing next to a blossom tree when it was snowing this morning and it was like the blossom <laughs> that was like dancing with the snow and it was like, oh my God, these two kind of juxtapositions are freaking me out. <laughs> Classic really British weird. weather, isn't it? A bit of everything, four seasons <laughs> in one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how's things with you? Are you all well? all well all well um been on a couple of bike rides lovely uh went to a park yesterday sat with some friends it's gorgeous now the weather is opening up and we can you know we can sort of get out there a bit because i think that's been mm. that's been the kicker isn't it this year of being uh, uh this lockdown being very insular at home so it's nice to nice to be getting out there definitely and we had some exciting information last well i say exciting information we did something last week didn't we yeah, we were really excitingly, we were contacted by a uh, publication, a um, uh, blog over in the United States called The Anglophile. Um, and the lovely Ali and Eva from The Anglophile got in touch with us. And we had a really lovely uh, Zoom chat with them talking about all our, you know, our love of London and the podcast. And we were featured in their very, very successful uh, uh, blog this week, which is really exciting super exciting they asked some great questions as well really did. They were like asking us um like uh, what our favorite blue plaques were in london and kind of like secrets of london oh it was so much fun we got a bit carried away didn't we <laughs> they were asking us where we, <laughs> we want did. to go when everything opens up and we don't think they regretted that because we couldn't shut us up <laughs> so true i think they were only expecting a 10 minute chat and we were like la 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 <laughs> <laughs> Never, never <sighs> underestimate a guide's ability to talk for hours. No. So thank you so much, Ali and Eva. I know they listen. Um, so thank you so much. We were absolutely delighted um, and we love the coverage. So thank you so, so much. And if anybody wants to sign up, uh, you can go to their website, which is The Anglophile. And 
and uh, you can sign up on and it's a once weekly email and there's a fantastic blog that accompanies it as well so the uh, the website is lovetheanglophile.com uh so fantastic thank you so mm, much lady. thank you ladies um so last week we were chatting all about greenwich weren't we we were we had a fantastic talk which was delivered by your lovely self um <laughs> all about john harrison and time and mm. greenwich meantime yeah it was brilliant and we did have uh, an email from a listener from Anne, uh, mm. who emailed in um because we talked about cloudsley shovel didn't we which we is <laughs> the one of the best names ever cloudsley shovel lest we forget yes we forget poor never forget cloudsley uh and he was one of the sort of reasons why they they started to put um a, a fund together or um a board together to try and crack the problem of longitude because he was lost uh, at sea due to not being able to tell exactly where he was and Anne said that she mentioned cloudsley shovel to her husband who's very familiar with harrison and the h4 and her husband said, and this is a brilliant story, that during the this ill-fated voyage near the Scilly Isles, which is where Clousey Shovel, um, his fleet ran aground and, and tons of people died, including himself, um, a midshipman approached Shovel and told him he smelled land and the captain dismissed him. A bit later, the midshipman approached him again and insisted that he smelled land. So Shovel ordered him to be hung or hanged. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> maybe not uh, not the nicest of chaps, but there we go. What a great story. Thank you so much, Anne, for uh, for sending that in. I love it when uh, people have a little bit of extra to add to the stories, which is amazing. Yeah, that's brilliant. Initially, I read it as smell, you smell of land. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> what kind of land? Smell land, hoy. Uh, so maybe you should have listened to him because the guy knew what he was on about. Yeah. So there we go. Thank you so, so much. So Cloudsley Shovel. And he was one of our picks, well, my pick in particular, for Podcast Pedestal last week, which is where we pick our favourite kind of crux points, most important bits of the story. Um, and then you guys get to vote on it. So I picked Cloudsley Shovel. Because I thought that the fact that he, you know, it was obviously a very tragic event and the fact that so many of his crew were lost when they ran aground. Um, but it was sort of the reason why the government finally uh, picked up their boots and kind of decided to do something about this problem of longitude rather than letting it tootle along. Um, yeah. So that was why I picked him. And what did you pick? So I picked the Captain Cook quote that you gave. So basically, James Captain Cook took one of the um, timepieces that John Harrison had created, and he could not rave about it anymore. So this quote kind of really defines how impressed, you know, someone like Cook, who was such a big adventurer and constantly out at sea, gave it the thumbs up, which would have spoke volumes, not just to the board, but just to people in general. Yeah, so that absolutely. was that was my pick. That was a great pick. Um, really good. Cheers, babe. <laughs> you know, we like to. Uh, <laughs> we like I don't to think you often you don't out. often say that. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I've do. Just, Come I on, know, there's a weird new feeling there. That's... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, what do you think? So, what do you? Where do you think you are? Do you think you're you're in with the chance this week? I do. Do you know what? I'm going to be as cocky as a cockerel and say, <laughs> and say, I think I've got this. It's been so close the last few weeks. It really has. And I think we are getting into that, into our stride of being a bit closer in our, uh, in our choices. And it is very close again. Not quite as close as last week. Uh, there's four points in it this week. 46 to 51. Just four. 46 yeah. to 51. Yeah. Oh my goodness me. Okay. The, the cockerel is 
taken a couple of steps back. <laughs> Slightly less cocky now. Well, uh, you have every right to be cocky because you did win. <gasps> Yay! Yes, yes. I am flapping my wings and shaking my tail. That is fantastic. <laughs> quite the image. Uh, <laughs> amazing. So there we go. You uh, have oh, won this brilliant. week. Is that two so, in a row or did I win last week? I can't remember. No, unfortunately not. It's, it's not two in a row. It's, yeah, oh. you won last week. So what is it now? I think it's like... 1412. All right. All right. Catching up. So, yeah, God, you've been ahead for such a long time now. Sorry, not sorry. God, <laughs> you've got so many, so many medals, so many trophies. I know. I want them all, though. I want them all. Yeah. yeah well, let's see. Let's see what happens in this week. Well, where are we going this week? What's, our, what's the plan? So, uh, the plan is that I'm going to tell you about something that was great. But as we know in history, a lot of events might be called great, but they're not so great. So, <laughs> the wheel landed in Mayfair, and it actually didn't matter where it landed because I was going to talk about the great smog. <laughs> you no had it in where anyway, didn't you? Didn't, you where didn't care. Landed. <laughs> I didn't care because the great smog covered not only London, but Essex and Kent and all sorts of places. Um, so when I say great smog, Alex, what do you say? <laughs> I say great smog, amazing. No, I... is, that, is that a bit more lively? Last week you were you were not happy that I wasn't lively enough about about your. No, smog. I was like, gosh, she's really not into the great smog. Yeah, I wasn't really listening to no, you, to be honest. The great um, smog. Story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, great Fantastic. smog. So yeah, what do I say? Um, what what do you say in the face of a great smog? I'm very. When excited. I say great smog, you say. <laughs> cough uh, uh, um, no, Look, I, don't worry about it I know you're lost for words because you don't know much about the great smog but it's all going to become clear my love do not worry just sit back and relax thank you mum thank you mum <laughs> so the great smog of 1952 1952 my favourite year oh is it no I'm just going with it oh right okay well it's a very good year I mean it's when um, the queen uh, when it's when Elizabeth, you know, came to power. Although she had a coronation a year later, <laughs> came to power. You know. The big dictator that she is. <laughs> um, so, the Great Smog. It was a five-day smog from the 5th to the 9th of December in 1952. Okay. And uh, I know you like to call me the golf guide, and I do like to talk about macabre and kind of crazy and quite upsetting issues. You're, and you're I have to tell you, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Tapping my fingers together. Um, that, no, that, this is a serious thing that happened, and actually... Uh, looking into it in depth it's just astonishing how many people passed away from it um and it took a little while for people to put two and two together and realize this is why um so let's go back a bit in terms of air pollution i mean london is not really a city that anybody has said oh yes you know it's lovely and fresh you should go to london you'll get lots of clean air in your lungs go and take the air in london mm. <laughs> nobody ever says that no. and actually i don't know if you remember but there was it was only a few years ago when we had a real pollution problem and there mm. were people that were saying you know don't go outside during this week because it's really bad do you remember yeah 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 absolutely yeah. Um, so this has been going on since about the 13th century. And what happened in the 13th century is people moved from burning wood in their homes to burning coal. 
Um, and the problem with burning coal is if you're burning coal, it releases sulfur and it reacts badly with fog. And that's where you have smog. So you've got all these kind of chemicals and particles in the air. So if you've got a, a foggy day and everybody is, you know, burning coal in their houses to keep warm or to cook, when that coal is mixed or the coal fumes is mixed with the fog, yeah. it creates this dark, thick matter. Oh, it sounds um, delightful. Oh, it sounds absolutely delicious, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, and it also would have been quite smelly. I mean, there were accounts back in the 13th century that talk about how the air just stunk. And sulphur does. I mean, if you go to, I don't know, if you go to places like Iceland, where you've got the Blue Lagoon, you've got the natural waters, mm. you get that sulphur smell, which smells a little bit eggy. Yeah, I remember being in New Zealand as well, in Rotorua, where they have they have that, because it's, it's the sulphur that comes out, yeah. It's quite quite pungent. Yeah, quite pungent. And people just accepted it, you know. And the thing about the fog is because London, you know, surrounded by low-lying marshes, especially back in the 13th century, up until probably about, well, the 18th, 19th century, really. Um, and you've got the Thames here as well. So it causes a lot of fog. You have a build-up. Um, and the fog, it was known as a pea soup, or the pea supers. So when it got really smoggy, you would look out the window and say, oh, we've got the, the pea supers going on outside. Delicious. And that's because it would create this kind of green... <laughs> yeah, get the ladle out. <laughs> um, it would cause this kind of green, yellow, hazy kind of colour. So it was known as the pea supers. Um, and in 1661, John Evelyn, who was a diary writer, a little bit like Samuel Pepys, he actually presented to Charles II information about the problem of smoke. And he actually said, you know, if we carry on like this and we're burning so much coal, it's going to shorten the lives of people in London. So people were aware of it. People were aware that suddenly, you know, they were coughing a lot. They were having problems with their lungs. They didn't want to go outside for a long period of time. And then during the time of King James I, there was actually a, a kind of a bill that was passed to try and restrict people from burning coal. But how on earth, especially in the winter, are people going to keep warm? Are people going to cook? You know, there's not that many options for people back then. So it just continues to happen. Um, and in the 1700s, suddenly, boom, we've got the Industrial Revolution. So there's extra soot within the air. And you've got, you know, these big power stations like Bankside Power Station, Battersea Power Station, where you've just got these huge fumes which are being pumped out. And they say that the, the coal consumption increased from about 10 million tonnes a year in the 1800s to about 200 million tonnes <gasps> by 1950. That's, that's a huge, goodness A me. humongous increase. And when it comes to smog, people weren't too fussed about it because fog would be around at night, people would burn the coal so suddenly you have sulfur in the air which is really bad for you but when uh the day would begin so the following day there'd be enough heat even in the winter to heat up the ground and then the smog would be released into the air oh my god 
Yeah. <laughs> imagine it. I mean, you you know, of course, we talk about um, pollution in big cities and you on certain days you can see a bit of a haze. I mean, London's, I mean, it's, it's not as bad as a lot of major cities because it's very green. But I mean, you can't imagine that that thick smog sort of hanging. And I, I remember the, the pea supers. Well, I don't remember, but um, I remember someone telling me that the pea supers were so cool because they, they'd kind of. Well, like you said, they were sort of green and thick, but they would you'd open the window and they'd sort of creep over the sill of the of the window. That's how thick. Oh they were. God, it's like a Hitchcock movie, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it really is. It reminds me of Have you seen the movie called <laughs> called The Blob? I haven't, but I feel like I feel like it's proper <laughs> B grade schlock. It is so kind of great smog in its like kind of creepiness, where you just have this big blob. I don't even know what it is. It's just like this kind of like big bit jelly that's <laughs> running down the road after people but i say running it's really slow and just you saying that the smoke and the smoke is kind of tapping people's window sills <laughs> just quite freaky um anyway there were a couple of times so 1873 and 1892 quite a few people about a thousand people during those years were killed by the smog and this is because the smog lingered for a couple of days and it wasn't allowed to escape because it just wasn't warm enough it was so cold that the ground couldn't heat up and all the smog was basically just stuck within london so it wasn't chasing them slowly down the street like the blob then (laughs) No, it was just (laughs) surrounding them. It was hugging them constantly. Lovely. Um, And you've got people in the 19th century, people like Charles Dickens, uh, people like Arthur Conan Doyle, who writes within their stories about fog. You know, when people are writing about uh, the time of Jack the Ripper, for instance, um, apparently there was no fog on any of the nights when he was roaming. But in terms of having that kind of scary, that misty feel, a lot of writers would kind of add that in because it just gives that effect, doesn't it? Yeah, that classic image that you see of him in, in movies is that he's sort of lingering in a, in a foggy alley. And and, yeah, yeah. and people like- still think... You know, they think of coming to London, they think of it as being this massively foggy city. And I don't really... Mm-hmm. It's not, fog's not something I see that often. It, well, no. This year. No, um, sometimes in the morning it's it can be quite quite hazy, but it does clear quite quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's not dark fog. It's kind no. of like it's as if you're in a, in a cloud, in a white cloud, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite different. Um, and then, of course, in the 19th century, you would actually start to see people... On people's gravestones, it would say that they um, were killed due to smog consumption. Oh, consumption. Oh. <laughs> I don't think it would actually say consumption. Get I think that's out. the wrong word. <laughs> oh, she just loved the smog, that one. Get enough of it. <laughs> we said, put the spoon down. No, she weren't having any of it. Um, now, we're now in 1952, and I've told you that, you know, on a couple of occasions, such in 1873, 1892, that the smog just couldn't get released. And this is what was happening in 1952. And it was the winter, so it was in the December period. So people are heating a lot of coal to keep warm. It's a very, very cold time. The matter in the air increased by 50%. Ooh. Um, and this was on the first day and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger to the point that visibility is just, you know, is just not there at all. 
Um, and the smog, it covers about 30 miles wide <gasps> when it first starts on the first day. So it's taking over London landmarks. You can just see the top of Big Ben's clock tower kind of poking out. Um, you can just about see the, the top, the little kind of domes on the Tower of London. But things are just starting to disappear, essentially. It must wow. have been so eerie. Yeah. Um, now, the first casualties were actually livestock. Livestock in Smithfield Market. Right. So they suddenly noticed that the cattle uh, just just fell over. Just, I shouldn't <laughs> say that. What's a better way of saying that? Keeled over. They keeled over, not <laughs> fell over. Someone tripped them up. Um, <laughs> so... Um, the first casualties were actually the livestock in Smithfield Market. And um, the people that were working there <laughs> suddenly saw that the, the cattle just... I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> this is so horrible. I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Because you're the goth guide and you love it. <laughs> it's really horrible. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, they basically killed over and there was nothing they could do. You know, they couldn't resusc- <laughs> resuscitate them. <laughs> Oh, don't. You're making me laugh. (laughs) So, um, no, this is actually really serious. I don't want people thinking that I'm laughing because the livestock were killed. You are. I'm not laughing about that. I'm (laughs) laughing about just uh, the fact that I can't get my words out because I'm laughing. It's a catch-22. Now, restaurants originally stayed open. But then soon it was really hard for people to actually read the menu. So they started to to close. Um, Theatres originally stayed open. But then halfway through the performance, there was so much smog inside the theatre that they couldn't see the actors on stage. And people were thinking, I'm sorry, but I've paid paid to see this. (laughs) I can't see anything. I can barely see where my Maltesers are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, so, and this happened, for instance, at Sadler's Wells, which is a beautiful little theatre, um, which you can find over kind of like near Angel, near Islington. And the opera La Traviata was playing and it had to be abandoned after about 15 minutes. Um, and even though it was abandoned after 15 minutes, it took about an hour for people to leave because they couldn't actually find the exit. <gasps> oh my yeah, God. So, That's, you know, that could be quite scary, really. Really scary because when you leave, it's not going to get any better. Yeah. You're going to leave and you're going to come out onto the street and maybe you got a bus there, maybe you walked there, so you're having to try and find your way home. If you're visiting London and you don't live in London, you don't know that it's the second left turning on the corner, you know, where you need to go. So it must have been really, really scary, especially, as I say, for a visitor. Yeah. Quick, um, just a very quick thing. Yeah. Um, Sadler's Wells wasn't actually Sadler's Wells at the time. Sadler's Wells was in Covent Garden and it's what became the Royal Ballet. Oh. Yeah. oh and that was so... later in the 50s. That was 50-something, 50 56, I think. Yeah, so oh, when it's talking about Sadler's Wells, it will be the one in Covent Garden, which is now the Royal Opera House. Ah, right, okay. That makes that makes more sense because it's opera, the Treviata. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, okay, nice. Sporting events were also cancelled. I mean, especially if you were playing something like cricket 
or you're playing, you know, baseball. Not that we play much baseball tennis. here. Tennis. You know, tennis. <laughs> can blooming see the ball. You wouldn't be able to get out of the way, would you? It'd suddenly come flying towards your head and you wouldn't be able to dive quick enough. I feel like there's a new game right um, there but just try and shoot the ball and hear how many people you can you can hear getting struck with it in the, in the smog. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, now, quite seriously, lots of trains collided. Now, remember, this is going on for five days. Yeah. And many people on the first day are thinking, well, you know, it's really it's really hard to see. But it'll be fine because usually we'll wake up the next day and all the smog would have cleared. But this isn't going to happen for five days. And it actually, a bit like the Great Fire of London, just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. So many trains collided. Um, and there were quite a few um, serious injuries and also deaths due to this. So you don't just have people that are dying because they're intaking so much smog mm. over five days. I mean, especially if you had, you know, already lung complications or, you know, you had problems breathing, it would be, be horrendous. But you've also got... Um, kind of things that are happening because of the smog such yeah. as people falling over and really hurting themselves people suddenly not realizing that a car is coming down the road or a bus or something and um, people as i say that are on a train which has just suddenly collided because yeah. of this smog um the tubes kept running because the smog wasn't going down to the underground um, but this meant that the tubes during this time were just heaving heaving with people yeah about it said that people well, you do, it's bizarre oh, now because yeah. you kind of you go into the tubes and you you go in there and you it, it feels a bit stuffy so it'd be really weird the thought of going into the tubes to get some fresh air wouldn't it i would be like gosh i can actually see because yeah. i guess back then in the 1950s the air quality down there probably wasn't that great, but it would have been certainly greater than being on the street level. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Very <sighs> suffocating, because already in the tube, you know, you feel a little bit, well, especially if you suffer from kind of claustrophobia, you feel a little bit kind of... Well, it feels very in. sort of recycled air, doesn't it, down there? It does. That's so right. Yeah, that's so true. Recycled air. Yeah. So, yeah. And when people were walking outside... You know, they couldn't see their feet. After about day two, day three, they couldn't see their feet at all. You had most drivers, and it was quite risky if you were going to still drive on the road, most drivers would kind of put their heads out of the window to try and get a better view because the glass would just be completely steamed up. Plus, it's black. So you don't just have this kind of grey matter. It is black. It is dark. So after being outside for about an hour you're going to look like dick van dyke in mary poppins and you've just been up the chimney you know you're going to be covered covered in this kind of soot so you can imagine being on the car the front window is just going to be black um, a lot of people abandon their cars so if they're driving along they're thinking do you know what this is just too dangerous i'm going to have to get out i'm going to have to leave my car walk away and have no idea where my car has been oh my left goodness. <laughs> um flash flashlights so you had policemen who was trying to guide people guide buses to be parked holding flashlights and the policemen they were wearing white jackets we know our policemen to wear black but they all donned these white jackets to try to be more visible 
Yeah. I mean, that's going to be going to add quite a bit to your cleaning bill. But sure. <laughs> yeah, it's because after about an hour, yeah. <laughs> that Bobby is going to be wearing a black jacket again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, planes. Now, quite scary. Planes took off when, you know, things were okay. But when it got really, really bad, you know, after a couple of hours when it first started, planes couldn't land. So it was quite scary. Um, I don't think, from what I've read, I don't think, you know, luckily enough, they had enough fuel to be able to kind of leave London or go wherever they're going to try and get away from the smog and land properly. But from kind of what I read, it sounded like the ones coming into London had to kind of hover for such a long time to try and wait for it to subside, realise it wasn't going to, then head to another airport outside of London where they could land safely and hope to God they've got enough fuel. Goodness me. Um, I read that one taxi um, that was picking somebody up from Liverpool Street Station to Euston, the passenger (laughs) actually got out and said, you know what would be quicker is if I I get out and I'll walk in front of the taxi (gasps) and I'll direct you. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you think, well, you like, could have just the object. <laughs> but apparently he had a lot of luggage. So it was actually, it was quite good for him because he wouldn't have been able to right. carry all of his bags. Yeah. And he knew London really well. So he was able to kind of direct the driver. But how funny is that? That's brilliant. I mean, that's, that's very, you know, thinking, thinking outside the box, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, also, you had this substance. So where you had the smog... If you touched handrails, if you touched the sidewalk and the ground or windows, it was really, really slippery. So crazy how hazard this was. You know, if you were walking down the road, you could have easily have slipped. Plus, it's freezing. It's like below freezing temperatures. And I always kind of like think of smog. I guess because of the coal, like it's quite hot. It must be quite like, Mm. I don't know, heated, but it's not. It's absolutely Mm. freezing. Plus everything's really slippery. Wow. Sounds really treacherous. Yeah, seriously. Um, You also had flares. So sometimes, you know, you'd be walking and suddenly see this red kind of light dash up in the sky, trying to get somebody's attention or trying to kind of make sure somebody knew where there were. Um, You had people just collapsing in the streets because their lungs couldn't take it. Birds flying through the sky suddenly came crashing down because they were suffocated. Um, It was just It just sounds like end end times, doesn't it? It really does. And the lampposts, because of the particular lights that they were using at the time, the 1950s, they weren't that bright. You know, even if you stood just underneath it, you wouldn't have been lit up at all. Mm. Um, wow. The one place in London that was pretty well lit was Leicester Square. Right. So Leicester Square Piccadilly, which is quite well known for all of its advertisements since the early 1900s, that area was a place where quite a few people drove through and actually felt like, okay, this is okay because I can see where I'm going. Wow. But as soon as they reach, you know, Trafalgar Square or if they're going towards Green Park, again, it gets incredibly hard. Goodness me. Yeah, so just that those bright lights of the West End kind of helping out. Wow. Now, there were a few people that did quite well in the smog. Um, oh, I think we, yeah, I can imagine that there's a few sort of light-fingered, uh, you know, thieves having a, having a good old rummage in pockets as they go. 
Exactly. You are not wrong at all. So many burglars took advantage of the fact that we cannot be seen right now. We cannot be convicted. And there's some wonderful newspaper articles that I found online telling you all about these kind of burglars and (laughs) break-ins. So I'll just read you a couple. So, for instance, there was a burglar who committed three successful crimes in just one night in a block of flats. He Good was lad. able to well kind done. of go round. Well course. done. Pat on the back for you. Um, a cinema manager was robbed of his day's takings in Edgware Road. You had uh, a post office safe that was blown open in Isleworth. Um, a jeweler's had its window smashed. This is in the middle of the day as well, wow. you know, which you would never expect. Pretty brazen, isn't it? Pretty brazen, but you can't see a thing. So uh, a jeweler had its window smashed. This was in Brixton, um, and, it, and the jeweler's was broken into. Um, a man who was quite a well-known boxing promoter in the 1950s, he was called Jack Solomon. He had his office in Windmill Street, which is over in Soho. He had whiskey, he had a box of cigars, he had £30 in cash taken. Wow. Um, And also other people that did quite well were people that sold torches. (laughs) Yeah, of course. This is the great British entrepreneur, isn't it? (laughs) Whenever there's a problem, we'll sell you something to fix it. (laughs) Well, it's like this past year, you know, if you sold hand sanitizer, if that was your thing... Yeah. You know, people would have been laughing at you for years going, God, you know what he does? He sells hand sanitizer. But yeah. this past year, you would have, you know, made quite oh, it's, a bit it's of money. All, it's, what I love is the, the gin distilleries who've, who've switched over to making hand sanitizer. I mean, it's just it's brilliant. Yeah. 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 Gosh. Now, in total, and this is just in terms of transport problems, there were 334 emergencies reported during these five days. And that is just transport. Wow. So there could have been an emergency because... Um, somebody lost their car Um, it could have been that there was a collision it could have been that maybe there was a problem on on the train or you've fallen on the train tracks or something 334 it's mad and the royal automobile club beautiful building located on pow mau um, actually put a plea out to all drivers do not attempt to go out do not attempt to drive at all Gosh. And again, I suppose robbers as well. There'd have been a great number of abandoned cars for them to then oh, so you know, half inch and go and sell on the black market so somewhere. Many. Can you imagine if like, um, I don't know, your husband was a secret burglar and you've got all this smog and you wake up on the day where it finally clears and you look out your window and there's like seven new cars just out at the front and be like, where do these cars come from? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> It's just like being on a, a rampage. Yeah, I don't know, they just turned up here one night. They all, must all have been abandoned on our front doorstep. Yes. Oh, God. Um, and I mentioned as well that the, the smog covered a huge proportion of land. So it wasn't just London. It also covered parts of Essex, Hertfordshire and Surrey. So it's huge. And I guess you would have felt, as I say, quite kind of suffocated even more, knowing that you can't walk or head anywhere quickly and get out of it. Yeah. Plus, it's it's inside your home as well. Um, God, it's just awful, isn't it? And on Sunday the 7th, so this is probably the worst day. Um, and it was just way too thick. Like, no one would have left their house. If you did, you would have been, you know, really, really risking it. And I say that knowing that at the time, 
people didn't realize how deftly the smog was. They thought that it was a risk because you might get lost or fall over, but they didn't think taking in lots of that sulfur and lots of that smog into your lungs, they didn't really think that that was that bad for them. Wow. And, you know... I mentioned that in the 1700s you had the Industrial Revolution and you had King James I before that who was trying to kind of stop people from using coal. But because there were so many jobs available Mm. connected to coal and the industry, the government, you know, didn't say that it was bad. You know, if anything, they were like, this is a great industry to be in. We love coal. Coal is amazing. So nobody really kind of presumed that because they've been heating a kettle heating some water in their house this is the you know this is what what they're now facing contributing to it yeah yeah um now suddenly we have a light wind on the 8th of december and this starts to clear some areas it starts to clear westminster the east end not so much because it's so densely populated which we've mentioned in our previous pods um that you've got so many people using coal. Yeah. And different kinds of coal. So people in Westminster, they would have used coal, which would have been, uh, I don't I don't really know the scientific terms, but I guess it would have been uh, less harmful. Whereas the people in the East End, they're using really cheap coal. Right. So that kind of stuff is even thicker and much more harsh on your lungs. Wow. Plus the prevailing wind in London is from west to east. So yeah. it's going to dump all that stuff on the East End anyway. Yeah, exactly. Now, on the 9th, this is where it starts to disappear. So finally, it moves on and it kind of heads towards the North Sea and it starts to kind of eventually disappear and dissolve. Um, And it was only about two weeks later where people start to, to, to hear word that lots of people have passed away. And of course, this is a time when you don't have social media, you don't press a button and, you know, hear figures and get all that information. So it takes a little while for people to realise that a lot of people have passed away and it takes even longer for them to realise it's because of the smog. Right. Wow. Um, I think it was like something like three months after where the government actually said that um, 4,000 people have been killed. They originally said 4,000. 4,000 people have been killed and this is due to the smog that we experienced. Which suddenly would have just, you know, if you were out there and no idea how harmful it was and thinking, God, I spent every day out there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, so scary. But they think that it was downplayed in terms of the numbers. Even They either really didn't know or they downplayed it because it said that about 12,000 people <gasps> within five days actually died from the Great Smog. Wow, but the accepted figure is 4,000, isn't it? But, yes, but yeah. Goodness me, yeah. yeah, wow. It's just mad. So, but one good thing that came from it is we suddenly had in 1956, I mean, it took four years later, but the Air Pollution Act, mm. where they're starting to move from coal to electric they're starting to have zones in the city where you're not allowed to burn coal or fuel mm-hmm. um and then later people were um kind of offered money or offered something like homeowners were offered kind of grants um if they would move away from burning 
coal and yeah. using other things such as oil or natural gas or eventually electricity. Yeah. And it's still the case, I think. We're still not allowed to burn coal, are we? No, we're not. Mm. And things are changing even more so. So um, I think by like 2025, um, they're wanting to kind of like really clean up the air. Um, they don't want um, any diesel vehicles by 2025. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still a huge, a huge task, a huge job to be done in London. Um, but it seems like there are more groups, there are more people that are, are trying to, to help the atmosphere. Wow, yeah. So yeah, it's, so yeah, it's, we have the um, the ULES now, which is the um, oh, I can't remember what it stands for now, but the essentially cleaner air zone in the centre of London, and we've got the you know all the different charges and stuff for for polluting vehicles. So yeah, it's still a thing, but but coal, I mean, goodness, what what a huge impact that that had during just mm. those few days on yeah. on London and the area as well. Wow, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? That's fascinating. Thanks, Em. Oh, you're welcome. Amazing. Great smog of 1952. Who <laughs> great knew? Smog. Not so great, big, but not, not so great. Yeah, great in size, not great in yeah. atmosphere. I mean, it's again, it's one of those things that, okay, <laughs> we say this a lot, that we'd love to go back and have a look at something like that. Now, I would love to have a look at this, but from a distance. I wouldn't want to be in that. Yes. But I'd love to see. And I, I, I have looked up a few pictures of what it looked like, so we'll share some of those to um, the Instagram this week, because it's quite a... I mean, you really get a sense. There's a couple of pictures there of um, a, a bus and a conductor sort of coming through with the flare in front of them. And you can barely see anything. It's quite, mm. really is quite, you know, intense. Uh, that level of sort of, yeah, thick. You could just, you can imagine it sort of tasting, can't you? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just kind of like, I don't know, like, you know, sometimes you can go on the tube and, you know, you can't wait to kind of blow your nose or kind of like, yeah. I don't know, clean your skin or something. And it would have just been that. I mean, not to put anyone off the tube. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is just if like you've been on it all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but gosh, yeah. I mean, we've come so far. So it's just shocking to think what it would have been like, you know, really 70 is. years ago. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Podcast pedestal. Right. So, podcast <gasps> pedestal. Gosh. What are we picking? This is a tricky one this week because, gosh, there haven't really been any major players in terms of people. No. Um, Apart from John Evelyn, but that was, yeah. you know, kind of pre. Yeah, that wasn't really the pre smog great smog. Pre that. What are you going to go for? Do you know? You know, I mean, I've known I've been doing this. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about it. I just haven't thought about it. Um, it's a tricky one this week. It's a tricky one. I guess I kind of want to go for like the pickpockets, the mm. pickpocketers. Yeah, the entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurs, <laughs> the people that thought, hang on a minute, there is a, there's a positive out of this situation. Um, I think the... The pick is it the pickpocketers, pickpockets or pickpockets, pickpockets. pickpockets. Say whatever you want. Then. Yeah, I think I'm going to go for the pickpockets because they're a shafty bunch, aren't they? <laughs> they really are. But also, I mean, talk about yeah, entrepreneurial spirit. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I do like it. All right, so you're going for the pickpockets or pickpockets yeah. or whatever we want to say. Yeah. What am I going for? Oh, this is so tricky. It's so tricky. 
Um, I, yeah. Oh, now I was wondering about whether I go for when it sort of clears and then the act that comes in. But that's maybe a bit boring. I feel like I want to go for something a bit more, a bit more along the goth guides. Yes. <laughs> come to come to my side. So I'm going. I'm going to go for the guy who guided his own taxi. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to go for him because I think that's the kind of the epitome of it, really, isn't it? How are we going to put that on the pole, though? What's he called? Um, like the taxi guy. Yeah, the, the taxi smog, customer. Taxi smogger. Taxi. Yeah, I, yeah, taxi. Um, taxi smog dude. <laughs> Taxi smog dude. Yeah. Okay, okay. Taxi smog dude. Yeah. Right. Taxi smog dude. Taxi or smog pickpockets. <laughs> yes. I think those are quite. I mean, they're, they're not kind of crux in the way of f- creating anything. They haven't created the situation. They haven't created the. No, the, I mean we could. Have, you know, emblematic of it though. That's one that, of us could have gone for coal, but. Ugh, that's boring. <laughs> I think boring. back in the day, you know, probably like pod three or four, one of us probably would have. You gone would have for gone the for coal. coal, and you'd have lost. <laughs> I would have gone for. The and coal. your boyfriend would have raked you so badly. <laughs> so true. Gosh, yeah. I quite feel like that. Hence why I'm behind. Um, oh, you're so pretty though. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go for that. The uh, the the, the ta- smog taxi dude, or whatever we're calling him. Smog taxi dude. That's what I'm going to call him on the poll. Yeah, do it. Smog taxi dude or the pockets. Amazing. Great stuff. All right. Before we move on, have you got anything coming up that you want to tell people about? So I've still got my um, my garden tour on the 24th, coming up on the 24th of April at 2pm. So I'm selling tickets for that on the londontourgroup.com. Um and not just yet, we're going to be putting up some walking tour dates on the londontourgroup.com, um, but we haven't done so yet, so I'll probably talk about that next week. Righto. What about yourself? Uh, well, my virtual tour series is now live. They'll be starting Yay! a week on Sunday. Yay! So it's the four virtual tours uh, in the series, as we've done before, um, which is great. We've got Camden, Bermondsey, Secrets of the City, and Bankside in this oh, one. So it's great. a really good selection. I'm thrilled with what people have picked. So yeah. um, I'm looking forward to them. But I also have um, now got dates on my website for actual in-person walking tours. <gasps> I'm going to start them back on the 1st of May. Um, we've had, I was waiting for clarification from the government about whether or not we're exempt from the rule of six. And we are. Um, so I'm going to be starting back with them. But I am going to be capping the numbers at 12 for the time being, uh, because I don't feel comfortable taking any more than that. Um, and we're starting, I'm just putting them up on my website uh, as we speak. And the first couple are my Harlots tour which I'm hopelessly in love with my Harlot store, uh, which is going to be on the 1st of April in the morning. And then I've got, because it is the weekend of half term, I'm also doing a Wizarding Wonder on the Sunday, which is the Harry Potter film locations. And then we've got Street Art the following week and there's a few more up there. So go and have a little look if you fancy some walking tours. Um, we're going to be doing those, uh, yeah, over the summer. And that's, that's well, from hopefully going forward, because that's that's what we're going to be doing. We don't have to stop again. Um, and then as we come out further and further out of COVID, I'll, I'll increase the numbers a little bit, but they'll still always be kept at a decent number to give um, a proper good experience on a walking tour. Um but for now, 1st of May, the first one will be. So all the details can be found on my website, alexlacey.com. Go and have a look. Brilliant, darling. Very good. Excited to get back out and get get working again. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. 
I go and do some do some walks and talk to people. Yeah, face to face. Yeah, I know. Face to face. The wheel of destiny. Okay, cool. So, um, next week, of course, is your pick. Yes, it is. So, um, where do you want to go? Um, oh, well, I'm not doing what you're doing, which is uh, picking one that can go for anywhere. Um, I've got my little list I'm still working through. So, yeah, I'm. Where have we been? We've been to Greenwich lately. Um, where else? Where else do I fancy? No, I think I'm, I'm, I'm all good. I'm all good. Yeah. Yeah, let's just go for it. You ready for it? I'm ready for it. Go for it. Okay, off we go. Oh, 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 Alex, I don't think it's been here before, but it's a very okay. important part of London. Okay. It's the centre of London. Oh, yay. Trafalgar Square-y, white kind of area. Yes, Trafalgar Square. Oh, brilliant. Amazing. Yes, yes. So... Yeah, have we done gosh, that? Got, got have we that before? There? No. Gosh. Actually, I even forgot that it was on there. Yeah, <laughs> I, think I, I think I've forgotten half the ones that are on there, to be honest. Um, well, you haven't seen the wheel for a while. Well, that's, that's true. I haven't seen it. I missed the wheel. I haven't seen it since last summer. Um, <laughs> right, Trafalgar Square. Okay, well, there's, I mean, there's, there's a ton of stuff we could do there. Uh, I'm going to steer away from all the kind of obvious war Nelson-y kind of stuff. Um, we can do all those when we run out of ideas for a podcast later <laughs> on down the line. Uh, oh, I'll tell Sorry, you what. Sorry, Nelson. I'll tell you what, just around the corner from Trafalgar Square, it's not quite on the square, but um, this counts, uh, is a very famous bank called, called Coots Bank. Ooh. It's a and posh bank, isn't it? Very posh bank. Very posh. A, fr- a friend of mine once, <laughs> years ago, um, tootled on into... Coots Bank. Uh, actually, no, I'll tell you that story next week. I, I'm going to, no, can't use up all my material. Ah. Gonna... <laughs> Ooh, so I'm, gonna do, I'm not going to do Coots Bank per se, but I am going to do somebody linked with Coots Bank, which is Angela Burdett Coots, who is a woman Ooh. who I absolutely love. She's amazing. She's on my Women of Westminster uh, walking tour um, when we get to the Abbey, Westminster Abbey, because that's where she's buried. So I'm going to talk about Angela Burdett Coots, who is utterly hilarious um she's a proper sort of uh she she really goes against everything that she should be doing and i love her for it um yeah so i'm gonna go for her i'm not gonna tell you too much she sounds fantastic brilliant she's so so good um so we're gonna have a bit of fun with her next week cool and i'm very excited to hear what your friend did i mean i'm (laughs) guessing it's some kind of like bank bank robbery or something <laughs> yes i do tend to hang out with uh, bank robbers and pickpockets <laughs> and uh, other you know nefarious characters <laughs> certainly sounds like uh, the start of a joke my friend walked into a bank yeah exactly <laughs> and the punchline is next week <laughs> <laughs> so there we go nice That's it for this week um thank you all so much for coming along and for listening and we've had some uh, new listeners as well. So hello, lovely to meet you all. Thank you. Oh, hello. Hello, new listeners. Thank you for joining us. And we will be back next week with Angela Burdett-Coots. And until then, stay safe, stay sane. We love you lots. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Big love. Bye.